Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Noise in Brief, PR Week UK's fortnightly podcast series where we discuss the biggest industry news stories from the past week in a bite-sized format. I'm Siobhan Holt, News Editor of PR Week UK, and today I'm joined by reporters Evie Barrett and Eliza Radu. This week, PR Week UK is set to launch the results of its Gen Z survey, offering insight into what younger PR practitioners want from their careers. For those that are a bit unsure, Gen Z is defined, or we're defining it as PR and comms professionals born between 1997 to 2012. There will be several stories on this over the coming weeks, covering topics such as career satisfaction, working hours, what aspects Generation Z view is important in the workplace, to qualifications, AI and more. But we thought we'd reflect on some of the findings in today's podcast. So Evie and Eliza, what stood out to you from the data? One of the things that stood out to me was the Gen Z view on AI. So in the survey, 76% of respondents said they were not concerned about AI taking their job. And one of the respondents said, if AI takes my job, it takes everyone's job. And I thought that was quite interesting. In the research, only 3% of respondents said they were actually concerned about AI taking their job. So that's such a small number. So I don't think it's an actual worry on the minds of Gen Z. There was a common consensus that PR is a person-driven industry 
And AI doesn't really have the capacity for human thoughts and emotions at the moment. One person likened using AI to customer service or a help desk, which is kind of cold and distant. However, the respondents did say that AI can support them in their creative tasks and admin, saving time and saving money. A few of the respondents also said they joined their AI divisions and teams at work to stay up to date with the latest developments. So what exactly does that mean? So there are specific departments that look at AI policy, uh, AI in the creative field and how AI can help them at work. Oh, so they're sort of doing more research and, and being part of that. So that's really interesting. I've been looking at the kind of hybrid working patterns of Gen Z, so how often they are in the office and how often they'd like to be. And what I found from that is that hybrid working does seem to be here to stay. Young people value both being in the office and working from home. 4% of them currently work remotely and the same proportion say that this is their ideal setup, which is quite impressive when you consider that that means 96% actively want to be in the office some of the time at least, even though many of them would have begun working fully remotely in COVID. So there's obviously a desire to go in and learn from people face to face. Yeah, that is really interesting considering I think there's sort of a general consensus out there that isn't what Gen Z want and yeah. that they want to be working from home, that they've got quite used to the COVID set up and that's sort of where they want to be so that's quite an interesting stat I think from the survey. Mm. They definitely do like working from home as well though only one percent said that they'd ideally like to be in the office five days a week which is quite staggering. Six percent currently do that but I wonder whether maybe it will continue to shift and I think hybrid working generally is the way forward just because people see the value of getting to work from home as well. Anecdotally, in the comments, quite a few of the Gen Z respondents said that they go into the office more than their minimum requirement. Others said that they'd like to be in the office more, but feel limited by travel costs and long commute times, which is slightly disappointing. Some of them spoke about subsidised travel and how they'd like that, but one added that they wouldn't want that if it meant that they would be required in the office more rigidly and that they'd be sort of policed more so I think it's really about flexibility and understanding from employers yeah, overall yeah definitely and obviously when you've got to think as well with Gen Z when you're looking at this that a lot of them maybe don't live in central London because they're up central mm. cities because they can't afford it so they may be living further out so you can understand why they maybe want some more support with commuting and why working from home is going to be more advantageous to them because they're going to keep more of their wages I suppose is the aim but I thought it was interesting as well that your comment that the survey seemed to show about the working from home and the balance and the fact it's here to stay because Richard Edelman obviously said that you wrote a review on a report that's just come out from Edelman and that was sort of what he said on the presentation wasn't it? Yeah so the report links quite nicely actually to our research when I was looking through the comments from our research it kind of struck me that a lot of young people have really strong opinions about what they'd like to see in the industry and they're not afraid to voice that and then in the Edelman survey they found that 93% of workers think they've been influenced by colleagues in their 20s. So I think, as Richard Edelman said, Gen Z are kind of redefining the workplace at the moment. Edelman's research found that Gen Z and millennials are more keen to debate societal issues in the workplace and Gen Z is particularly affected by what goes on in the news. So I don't think it's very surprising that they're having such an impact. One thing that I thought was really interesting, actually, was Richard Edelman actually said that a group of his Gen Z staff weren't happy with something he said so he let them kind of go to lunch with him and he sat down with them and talked it through as a way of reverse mentoring which we've obviously seen over here with sort of the Taylor Bennett Foundation scheme and that kind of thing so 
that's obviously going to become more important, I think, to kind of listen to what younger people are saying. Yeah, absolutely. That part did stick out to me in, in the news story as well, that it was interesting because, yeah, rather than maybe getting offended by the feedback, he actually took it on board, which is maybe a better idea and a better approach if you're a manager to understand the different angles maybe and maybe that's how workplace will improve um but as you say yeah it, it does show that there seems to be this sort of learning from it's not just learning from your mature peers it's learning from the younger generation which is going to make a, a better workforce overall mm. next up pr weeks launched the latest version of its top 150 monthly trading tracker which asks uk agencies from the top 150 database about trading in the past month for the August tracker, we asked UKPR agencies about the length of time clients are taking to pay, how many pitches agencies are taking part in and more. Uh, Evie and Eliza, what's the overall mood? I feel like the industry is looking a little bit optimistic and things are looking better for some agencies. So almost two thirds of respondents said trading was better. However, almost half of the agencies surveyed said in relation to August, that clients on average were taking slightly longer to pay them compared to previous years. Although 10% said that it had been worse, suggesting that although it's good for some, it's not amazing for others. There was also a slight increase in the proportion of agencies that are confident in reaching their four-year targets up from the previous month. So I think there's like peaks and wanes throughout the industry some people are having a better time than others but holistically I think people are looking a little bit more optimistic but late payments are still a major problem though really aren't they that's not that's not great to hear that there's a lot significantly saying that that's an issue for them especially in the light of what we've experienced with Talker Taylor forced to close parts because of late payments from clients it causes a cash flow problem especially for the smaller agencies they haven't got as much leeway and I know we published an op-ed recently, which was with Sharon Flaherty, who's chief executive at Folk, because she wrote about, well, she argued that late payments bad for any company's brand, reputation and relationships as a whole. And that the industry and PR companies, big or small, need to get tough and refuse to accept late payments. I feel like late payments are a little embarrassing, I feel like you should be able to pay the people you've hired on time. Otherwise, it just looks bad for you, realistically. Yeah, it does. And I think as well, PR needs to get tough on it because businesses should value what PR is offering and what it's bringing to the table. And I think, as you say, it's really poor form that they're not paying on time and that the terms, you know, are terrible. And I think PR needs to get tough on that. I think they need to respect themselves a bit more to be challenging the behaviour on that. Would you agree? I agree, but I wouldn't say respect because I feel like they do respect themselves. I just feel like sometimes people don't want to speak out in case they like ruin their relationship between a retained client. I feel like that's a big fear as well, especially when new business, it's starting to improve, but hasn't improved on a grand scale. Our sister podcast, Beyond the Noise, has covered this in more detail. So check out last week's edition. And um, this week we've got a op-ed that's coming out that's offering late payment tips so six tips for getting paid on time by PR clients so check that out. Moving on last week law firm Shillings announced plans to set up a comms agency which was a bit of a surprise to a few. Shillings is known for representing clients such as celebrities like Ryan Giggs and JK Rowling 
and Meghan Markle in very high-profile cases. Shillin said the new business was being founded as a result of reputation now being made in both the court of law and the court of public opinion, and that the need to address intensified scrutiny, so digital and privacy threats, smear campaigns, complex reputational risks and overnight cancel culture, which has been supercharged by the ultra-high pace of the digital age, were all reasons. So, (laughs) guys, what do you think of this crossover between legal advisory and PR? I mean... I picked out the same comment as you about reputation now being made both in the court of law and the court of public opinion. (laughs) I think that's when it really clicked for me because we've seen with so many high profile cases, both the ones that you mentioned and others, that public discourse around them is so powerful nowadays. And often that's the only thing that people are consuming when it comes to these cases. They might not be reading the news reports. It might just be posts that they've seen from their friends about these cases and that kind of thing. So the verdict and the evidence itself almost becomes secondary to people's opinions. So there's an extra layer to consider in terms of reputation and it makes sense for it to be intertwined with the legal approach. Absolutely. Eliza, what do you think? Personally, I don't think legal advisory and PR should mix, mainly because I feel like it becomes a little bit inauthentic and I feel like it's just reputational comms, but on a larger scale. From a objective point of view, standing back, if I found out that a celebrity or someone else had hired a legal PR firm, I would think that something suspicious is going on and I probably wouldn't trust them as much. And in an age when trust is everything, that is interesting, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, some of the comments that I saw online, one of them from Mark Lowe, co-founder of Third City, he also said that He thought the work would be tactical and that it sounds strategic. So I think it's hard to tell what it will look like practically at the moment, but it could divide people. But this obviously isn't the first time that we've seen this in PR, is it? We've seen other companies. And I spoke to Deborah Scott from Denton's Global Advisors, which is a company that was founded by law firm Denton's in 2021. And I sort of asked her really how she's found things when they set their firm up and she said it's sort of the shape of things to come and that the world's getting more complex, creating issues for corporates and organisations that don't fit, as she said, in a neat categories like legal, financial, communications. She said as well that law firms often are like the first port of call for this type of queries and communications, adding that it's sort of like a natural pairing. So I suppose there are some that will view that, that it sort of goes hand in hand. What do you think? Yeah, it makes sense. We're seeing integration in so many other areas that I suppose it's only a, a natural progression, really. Yeah, absolutely. I guess it's very corporate based and it looks at crisis management a lot as well. So that would be really interesting. Yeah, maybe one to watch. September is not only the start of a new academic year. In the world of PR and comms, it's been the start of a new career for many. We've seen lots of job hires and moves in the past week or so. So which movers and shakers stood out for you both? Evie, do you want to start us off? Who have you spotted? I was really intrigued by the two non-executive directors that Manifest has appointed. It's interesting as they've got these two people with completely different backgrounds. So Sarah Waddington, who's obviously former CIPR president, and Etta Davies, who's more of an Adland figure. He's currently EMEA Chief Operating Officer at Dentsu Creative. So they're sort of two really strong mentors coming into the agency with the goal of diversifying its offering, both geographically and in terms of the services that it offers. So moving more into advertising, branding and design. 
manifest obviously isn't alone in this approach. Our UK editor John wrote an opinion piece earlier this year about whether pure consumer PR agencies will continue to exist. We also recently saw the hire of a CMO at W Communications. Mm. So there's a lot of this kind of thing happening, but I thought they were two really impressive names that manifested appointed and it's an interesting move as you say into what they're diversifying into that they're bringing this sort of outside knowledge in Mm. which is an interesting approach yeah and i'm sure a really effective way to do it so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out absolutely eliza what about you what stood out to you so media zoo has promoted managing director giles smith to chief executive as the founder stepped down from the business And I thought this was quite interesting because in recent times, MediaZoo has restructured its management team and sold a minority stake to the Business Growth Fund. In a statement, MediaZoo said the business looks to build on its success over the past few years and continues its rapid expansion in both the UK and overseas. So it'll be really interesting to see how they grow and progress in the future. Absolutely, one to watch. And then obviously one of our biggest stories was that Diageo and Shell There's been lots of swapping and changing going on there. So we've had Dominic Redfern, Global Brand and Comms Director at Diageo, is leaving the company after 16 years. He's going to move to oil and gas company Shell as their Executive Vice President for Strategic Communications. And then with that, Brendan O'Grady, who's currently been Chief Comms and Marketing Officer at the Guardian Media Group, is replacing him. In a statement, Redfern said that he looks forward to joining Shell as it helps to build the net zero energy system of the future, which is going to be a big challenge for him because Shell has faced criticism over its fossil fuels and how quickly it is moving away from them. So I think it's going to be a big job for him on that one and an interesting hire, I suppose, from Diageo. What do you guys Mm, think? Yeah, there'll be a lot of eyes on them both for sure. Absolutely. And be interesting what he brings to it from his knowledge at Diageo as well because they are very different companies Mm. but as you say definitely one to watch okay that's all for this episode noise and brief goes live every two weeks in the meantime look out for our beyond the noise podcast next week thanks to evie and eliza and thanks to you for listening goodbye Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.